Uh, let me encourage you, if you haven't, uh, you know, if you're not sure about joining one of these prayer groups during the week, let me encourage you. We don't bite. We're not going to judge you. Um, uh, and just, yeah, participate. The second thing, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, I've been, I've been um, thinking a lot, reading a lot, listening to podcasts this week about everything that's going on in Ukraine. And, uh, I, you know, yesterday morning I was talking to Kate and I was like, you know, I was like, I'm not... I'm not sure how everything that's going on in Ukraine should impact this sermon series, but I kind of feel like it should. Um, and so I'm just going to put that out there, not because like my sermon is, did not radically change uh, this morning, but the more I'm hearing, the more I'm reading, the more I'm realizing, yeah, you know what? We can't just act like that's not happening. Um, and so, um, so yeah, I just want to encourage you and I, and I'll even go so far as like, you know, I'll pray for me as I'm trying to think through, uh, what, how does talking about prayer and the Lord's prayer and what we originally kind of thought the direction the series was going to go, how does what's happening on the world stage, uh, impact, uh, the way that we think through applying some of the themes of the of the sermon. So our scripture reading this morning is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, uh, There's not a slide up there for you because I forgot to make the slide, sorry. But um, I imagine that this is something that you are all familiar with. So I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer. If you know the Lord's Prayer, I'll invite you to say it out loud with me. Um, It's okay if we do the, some of us do the eyes and some of us do it, you know, nod. Some of us do debts, some of us do trespasses. That's okay. Because Jesus loves that, loves all those words, all right? So let's, uh, for those of you that, that feel comfortable, join me as we say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, When we come to the subject of prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer really serves as both teaching on prayer and model for prayer. And and this is why I introduced this idea to to us last week, that, that really what we're seeing is both of these things, if you look at the two places where Jesus introduces the prayer, uh, and so the, the sermon is the teaching on prayer, and these prayer groups are the modeling for prayer. And, and the reality is, you know, prayer is one of those things that even last week, as I asked you all to raise your hands at the beginning of the, as the, at the, beginning of the sermon, is, you know, there's a lot of questions, a lot of doubts, a lot of experience that we all bring to a conversation about prayer. Uh, So some of us, you know, the idea of a sermon series on prayer, the idea of like, oh, the church putting emphasis on prayer, having these prayer groups, for some of us, our posture in a moment like that would be like, all right, you know, New Year's resolution type of posture, right? It's time to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, uh, recommit myself. Uh, I'm going to try harder. Uh, And prayer is not about trying harder. Um, some of us might be coming from a very different place. Some of us might be coming more from the standpoint of saying, look, man, you know, I've tried, I can't, uh, prayer, prayer is just not something that I can do. Right. And, and I want to submit to you that that's not the right response either. Uh, right. Kids, some of you might be thinking prayer. That's like for adults. 
I don't need to worry about prayer yet because I'm not an adult. I want to say, like, that's actually not a good response either. Uh, it's easy for us to, to let all these different kind of false ideas of what prayer is. Uh, and so I want to bring us back to the definition that uh, I presented to you last week. Um, not because I think it's like the best definition ever, but because I think the simplicity is really helpful. Prayer is bringing our desires and needs to God the Father in the name of Jesus, who's God the Son, with the help of Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, okay? And so what you see there is that the primary emphasis on this definition of prayer is who? It's God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That really what we bring to in prayer uh, is not eloquent words. What we bring in prayer is not well-reasoned arguments all the time. Uh, what we bring in prayer is not more effort, right? What we bring in prayer is our desires and needs, and then God makes up the rest. Uh, and so what we're going to do over the course of this series is we're going to look at each of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Today, we're looking specifically at hallowed be your name. And we're going to ask the same uh, three questions, at least when I'm preaching the sermons, I'm going to ask the same three questions each time. What does this petition, how does this petition change our view of God? How does this petition change us? And then how does this petition change the way that we pray? Uh, so these are the three things that we're going to look at this morning. So first of all, how does, how does the idea of hallowed be your name, how does it change our view of God? Now, what on earth does hallowed even mean? Does anybody know? Kids, if you've got the, the children's bulletin, the definition is in there. You have a bunch of adults that need your help. They don't know what it means. Holy, okay, so holy is a corresponding word, but hallowed is a little bit larger than just holiness, right? It is something special, something set apart. Kids, the definition in your bulletin is unlike anything or anyone. And so God's, God's hallowedness, it's certainly true of him being holy, and that's what we're going to look at today. But, but God's love is also hallowed. God's majesty is also hallowed. God's glory is also hallowed because it is set apart. It is different. It is unlike uh, anyone or anything. It's a little bit like the sun. Um, you know, are, are, are any of you like junkies on solar eclipses? Anybody here? Uh, so I met this guy years ago who just like, he, he travels the world to see solar eclipses. Um, it's fascinating. And, and, you know, a couple, I think it was 2019, there was a solar eclipse. And it was the first time that I actually paid attention to solar eclipses. I don't know why. Um, and what struck me was that you have the sun, right? And the sun is this super radiant, bright thing. Um, and, and it sends out all of this light, right? Um, and, and, do, do we need to ascribe to the sun the word? So what does the word radiant mean? It means to send out light, okay? Do we need to ascribe, do we need to give the sun and say that the sun is radiant in order for it to be radiant? No, we don't, it, because that's what it is, right? In a similar way, uh, the Lord's Prayer begins, hallowed be your name, but does God really need his name to be hallowed? Does God really need who he is to be set apart and described as unlike anything else? 
No, because that is who he is. And, and the, the place where we're going to zero in on that, we could, we could go into love, we could go into majesty, we could go into his beauty, we could go into any number of different places. But the place that I want to go with us this morning to, to kind of uh, zero in on this is his holiness. And there are probably, there are several places we can go in scripture to look at God's holiness, but certainly one of the best is Isaiah 6. Uh, And Isaiah 6 is this, uh, the prophet Isaiah enters into the throne room of God. And this is what we read. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted and seated on the throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim. Now, seraphim are a type of angel. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So this is the song that they're singing. At the sound of their voice, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So now, here's this tension that we feel all of a sudden, right? How does the Lord's prayer begin? Our father. Now is the word father, I know this for some of us, right? The word father doesn't necessarily evoke very uh, uh, nurturing type of language, but that's what the word is supposed to elicit in us. That's the response it's supposed to give us. So we have this weird tension, right? All of a sudden we have this word uh, father, And right next to it, we have this word hallowed, unlike anything else. And then here we have this picture. One one way that we see that he is unlike anything else is that when the prophet Isaiah walks into the throne room, he's like, I'm going to die. And and he's not speaking, you know, he's not like exaggerating, right? He's like, really, he's like, I think I'm going to die because of just how other, how different God is. And, and really, like, I think the sun is actually really helpful in that respect, right? Because can we look at the sun, even with a total solar eclipse, can you look at the sun with your, with, without some kind of protective glasses, right? You're not supposed to, right? Um, and so the sun is totally other, totally radiant, brightness upon brightness upon brightness, And yet, how many of us, uh, you know, you walk out, walk out from under the shade and you just feel the warmth of the sun and it is comforting and and warming. You know what I'm talking about? Have you you experienced that? To be honest with you, I don't think I've ever experienced that uh, to the same degree that I've experienced it since living in San Diego. There's something different about that experience living in San Diego. You know, in Florida, you're never cold because it's always miserably hot. In Boston, it's either extremes, right? You're either like, you know, popsicle cold or sweating. Here, it's, there's this movement that it's a little bit more fluid, at least, you know, from my experience, it's a little bit more fluid as we move between those. And so there's just something about that, like constant reminder of the warmth of the sun. And I think that that's helpful for us as we're talking about who God is, that, that God is totally other, and yet he's, he's father, right? 
kids, you think about the relationship that you hopefully have with your dad. Like you can, I mean, even, you know, seeing, you know, seeing Boston here as he's hanging on his dad, you know, as his dad is trying to talk to us. I mean, there's an intimacy there, right? Uh, it's obviously he's not other to his child. Now, let's, let's bring some application into this. So I, one of the things that I'm trying to navigate with this series is that I, I want to be able at, at different points kind of highlight for us the reality that we, there's a lot of different ways that prayer happens. So like, for example, last week, you know, the sermon was really kind of focusing on the importance of private prayer, but that's not the only type of prayer, right? Praying in public, which is what we've been doing all morning, uh, is also really, really important. Uh, and so um, there's a slide, the next slide, I think, yeah, so Deborah Reinstra wrote a book years ago called So Much More. She's a uh, professor at, I think, Calvin College. Uh, and, and she lists all these different kind of ways that prayer happens. You know, you've got private prayer, and then you've got public prayer. You've got spontaneous prayer, like, hey, let's pray right now. And then you've got uh, uh, prayer like we did when we blessed uh, Finn, right? We, we had something written out for us. And all of these are, are totally legitimate ways that we can pray. And the reality is, and what Reinstra says is that we've got to find what's the right mix of ways that we pray that will resonate with each of us. And so one particular way that I think this first part of the Lord's prayer helps us in terms of praying is that it pushes us towards the idea of adoration. So one of the other, the next slide, one of the, one of the other kind of, she, this is not in her book, but one of the other ways that we can talk about prayer, and in fact, this is what we're using in the Lent prayer guide, uh, the, 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 some of the verbiage we're using, is the idea of adoration and supplication. So in supplication, you know, we're bringing a need to God. We're saying, hey, I need this, or, or so-and-so needs this. You know, uh, uh, help the refugees that are fleeing from Ukraine. That's a supplication. We're asking for the Lord to do something. Adoration is just simply sitting with who God is. Um, in your bulletins, kids and adults, we put this, you know, this phrase, God, you are, right? Uh, and, and really that first phrase, we introduced that last week as a way of prompting our prayer. Remember, we're going to pray after the sermon. And so we gave you those little, that little section of your bulletin to help kind of jog your memory. Um, you know, even this morning, we've seen God, you are faithful. That was the, the, the beginning of our prayer of confession. Now, right, God, you are holy. And as we, as we continue to think about the holiness of God, you know, what ends up happening is, well, it's like, um, it, it's like uh, uh, you know, getting to know somebody, right? Kids, think about when you're getting to know a friend. Adults, think about when you're dating somebody, right? You're, you're, you're constantly getting to know them. Even if you've been married for a long time, right? There's always that moment where your spouse, your friend, your, you know, the person you're dating, they do something, you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming, right? And God is similar, similar, right? There's always more we can learn about him. And so our view of God continually changes. So, so some prompts, right? Uh, God, you are, let me the next slide. God, you are radiant. God, you're radiant so that the angels have to cover their faces. I mean, imagine that. Angels are covering their eyes because that's how radiant God is. There's no wonder that Isaiah says, I'm going to die, right? Uh, God, you are holy. I think there's one more slide here. God, you are king. 
thank you that you rule over the nations. What an important and appropriate prayer for us in the face of what is happening in Ukraine. All right, so how does the petition then change us? That's the next question that we want to ask. How does, how does praying, Father, hallowed be your name, change us? Well, in 1 Peter 1, Peter says this. He says, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Kids, do you remember last week I showed you that slide from the Jesus Storybook Bible? What is it that in the Jesus Storybook Bible, the people who think they're super, you know, better than everybody else, what are they called? Do you remember? Super, extra, holy. So sometimes we use that word, and adults will use that word too. Sometimes we use this phrase called holier than that. Familiar with that phrase, right? Now, if, uh, if someone says, you're acting holier than thou, is that a compliment? No, it's not a compliment, right? You think you're better than me. You think you're all that. Uh, and so oftentimes when we think of the word holy, it's easy for us to associate something negative with that. Uh, and that's really unfortunate because, because what scripture says is that God is holy. One of the ways that God is hallowed is that he is, he is uh, completely other. He is set apart in his beauty and his majesty, right? But then here's this amazing thing, right? He wants you, Harbor City, he wants you to be holy. And that's not a holier than thou. And that's not kids, that's not super extra holy, right? He wants you to be holy. Why? Because he wants you to be like, like him. You're tracking with me, right? He wants you to be like him. That's awesome. Isn't that? I mean, isn't that what we want? And so how does God make that happen? Two ways. First Peter continues uh, to say this, for you know that, this is the couple verses down from the verse I just read, for you know that it wasn't with perishable things like silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Now, what's happening here with Peter is he's, he is, remember that, Israel was a, 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 a theocracy, right? So God was the king, and they had all these sacrifices that they had to follow every year. And the big sacrifice, the big high holy day, was the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, a lamb without blemish or defect, a perfect lamb in every single way, was chosen. Actually, two were chosen. Uh, and one was called the scapegoat, and that one was sent out into the wilderness, and it was set free, and the other one was sacrificed. And that's what Peter's talking about. What he's saying is that, that the way that you have been made holy, we're going to see that in a second, the way that you've been made holy is because Jesus died for you. So listen, listen to this church, okay, Harbor City. You are 100% right now, in the sight of God, you are holy. Okay, let that sink in. You are holy. God has made you like himself. And yet, the scripture also tells us that we are being made holy. That we are being made more and more like, and then you're like, well, which is it? Yes. Yes, it's both. You are and you are being made. And so Peter continues to talk to us about, and we'll see this in the next point, about how 
um, how we are in the process of being made more and more like Jesus. Uh, I've been devouring books on the Lord's Prayer, and David Rhodes turned me on to a, a book I hadn't heard by a pastor in North Carolina called Derwin Gray. And, and as I was reading him, he said something that was so simple that, you know, you, you just kind of like at first, I like just kind of scanned past it as I was reading the book. And then I was like, wait a minute, hold on a second. It's so simple and yet so, so profound. He says this, in a life-changing way, we discover that the holiness that God requires of us is the gift that he gives us. Right? So, so what, he, what he wants, he gives. That's what we said about prayer, isn't it? Right? That, that when we begin to pray, what we bring is our desires, what we bring is our needs, but the God that we're praying to, he, he doesn't say, okay, show me what you got. Show me how articulate you can be. Oh, sorry, you left a dangling participle there. The prayer negated. That's not how prayer works, right? It's not about how, how good my words are. Uh, God is not an English teacher. Uh, what he wants, no, no offense to English teachers, I happen to like English, no, throwing no shade on the English teacher profession. Um, the second way that God makes us holy is through prayer. Now, that's not the only way. That God makes us holy through lots of different ways, right? But, but we are made holy. We, I mean, so, uh, we are made holy already. That's complete. Um, but we're being made holy. And one of, the, one of the means that God uses to make us holy is prayer. Uh, in Romans 8, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is talking about being made more like Jesus. Uh, and, and at one point in the, in the passage, as he's talking about what it means to be made more like Jesus, he reminds us of our adoption. He says that's the reason that because of our adoption, we can cry out, Abba, Father. Um, and then a little bit later in Romans 8, he says, this is why when we pray and we don't know what to say, Holy Spirit shows up and begins to help our prayers. And so even in our prayers, we're being made more like Jesus. God uses our prayers as part of the way that he shapes us into himself. All right, so Father, how would be your name, right? What, how does this petition change our view of God? If we, if we stop to think about what we're saying, what we're saying is that God is unlike anything and unlike anyone. Um, and so, God, you are holy. Kids, you know, the, the thing, God, you are holy. God, you are radiant. Thank you for, like, this is, this is who you are. And the more we think about that, the more our view of God changes. In the same way that the more that you get to know a friend, your view of your friend changes. The way that you're dating somebody, your view of that person changes, the more you get to know them. Secondly, we see that um, as God is, um, that it begins to change us because we are being made holy. That's what he wants for us. That's what he's asking of us to be made holy. But that's not a, um, that's not just simply like a command, go do that. Good luck, right? Um, Because we, we can't do it, but it's the gift that he gives us in a son. And then how does this change the way that we pray? That's our last petition. Uh, the last part of this, how does this change the way that we pray? So I really struggled with how to like bring this for us because um, for this particular petition, 
it just felt really challenging me to think like, how is it that, that this particular petition, aside from, you know, prayers of adoration, which I think is a totally legitimate way of thinking about it, but besides that, how else does this flesh itself out? And then um, I stumbled on, on, onto a comment that I'll, I'll share with you in a minute. Um, I want to draw your attention to 1 Peter 2. So we looked at 1 Peter 1 on the last point. I want to draw your attention to 1 Peter 2. Uh, and what's interesting about 1 Peter 2 is that in verse 9, Paul, and a, not Paul, Paul did not write 1 Peter. Peter wrote 1 Peter. Uh, in 1 Peter 2, Peter says this. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. What does that sound like? Sounds like you're hallowed, right? Sounds like you're, un, sounds like you're something separate. You're something new. You're something different, right? Church, you are, you are unique to God. So when, when Finn gets baptized into the church, he, like something has changed, right? That's what we believe about baptism. Something has changed. He is now in a covenant relationship with God. We, through our faith in Christ and membership in the church, we are in a covenant relationship with God. We're part of this chosen people and royal priesthood. And then he goes on to say, verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. So the holy, uh, holy people who have received the gift of holiness are called to live holy lives in order to represent the holy one. You get that? Let me say that again. A holy people who have received the gift of holiness are called to live holy lives in order to represent the Holy One. What does that have to do with prayer? I think part of what that has to do with prayer and the way that we pray is that when we pray, Father, how would be your name? what we're saying is, Lord, show the world that you are unlike anyone or anything. Show the world that your love is a unique kind of love. Show the world that your majesty is a unique kind of majesty. Show the world that your beauty is a unique kind of beauty. And what I want to submit to you is that one of the ways that God answers that prayer is through us. That's what 1 Peter 2.9 said, right? Live such good lives that people will see. Let me read it again. Uh, among the that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and do what? And think, man, those people really got their stuff together. No, that they would give glory to who? They would give glory to God. Um, so, like I said, I've been, I've been consuming lots of news this last week, listening to several podcasts. Uh, and, and not entirely on Ukraine, but a lot of them have been on Ukraine. And, and there's this, you know, and, and I'm trying to like, oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to connect this dot for everybody? And I was listening to this particular podcast um, called Everything Just Changed, and they're interviewing a woman. And this particular woman, her name is Elizabeth Newman. Uh, Elizabeth Newman worked for the Department of Homeland Security uh, under President Bush and President Trump. Uh, she is an expert in counterterrorism and in information and disinformation. So big words, kids, lying. She is an expert at helping people see lies, exposing lies and saying, no, 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 don't believe that that's a lie. That's, what, that's her job. That's what she does. Um, and she is a Christian. 
And so the, in the interview, what they were talking about was how much Putin works at lying. He's a really good liar. Uh, and he uses lies all the time, both inside of his country and in the rest of the world, in order to, uh, in order to achieve his agenda. And, and so the podcast was going into all, and this is not just this podcast, I've listened to several podcasts that are all saying, in essence, the same thing, that, that he's been setting this up for a really long time not talking about politics, but here's the really interesting point that she said, my job is to show the truth. I was like, that's an interesting way of putting it. Right. And then a little bit later, she connected it to her faith. And all of a sudden the light went off for me. I was like, well, wait a minute. Now these are not her words, but, but what I heard her say was this. What I heard her say is that because of her faith in Christ, because she believes in a God who, who is truth. What did Jesus say? I am the way the truth and the life. Because of her faith, she knows that it is important to expose lies and show the truth. So her vocation, her calling in life is impacted by her faith in Jesus Christ. One way that she shows the world that God is a God of truth is by saying, no, those are lies. And then interestingly, um, well, no, never mind. So, so then how does that apply to us? right? Because um, maybe somebody here is working in counterterrorism and in disinformation. I don't know. I would love to talk to you if you are, um, but, but probably most of us are not in those fields. So, so here's the question, right? In whatever field you happen to be in, what about God is revealed in your work, in your vocation? that you can begin to pray, Lord, help me to show this particular aspect of who you are more clearly. Help me, help me to hallow your name in this particular area. So, so here's some thoughts. These are not cogent, uh, not they are, co hopefully they're cogent, but they're not exhaustive is the word I was looking for. Um, and, and, but they're just uh, hopefully to get your minds thinking, okay? So um, for those in the military, right? Several people here that work in the military. Uh, you know, part of what you do in the military is you defend, you defend the country, right? You, you, you stand against people who are, who are uh, oppressive. That's what God does, right? That God works against oppressive powers. Jesus in the book of Revelation chapter 19, right? He's the general leading the armies of heaven. Uh, one of the names of God is Sabaoth, this weird word, right? It means general of the armies of heaven, for those of you in the medical profession, right? Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha is one of the names of God. He's the God who heals. And so when you are bringing healing to people, you're, you're, it's, yes, science, not, not denying science in any way, shape, or form, right? But, but that's a part of who God is. You're showing that into the world. For those of you who are teachers, right, whether you're homeschooling or you're in a school setting or you're a university or college professor, right? What, what is a part of your calling? A part of your calling isn't just transfer of information, but it's helping people to understand how God has governed the world and the wisdom that comes to, to, to navigate all of that. Uh, students, right, whether you're in second grade, third grade, or whether you're in college, or whether you're in graduate school, uh, the, the part of the work of learning isn't just learning facts, 
It's how has God ordered the world because in order, and the way I understand how God makes things work, I can, I can do a better job of saying this is how God functions in the world. Artists. I read this fascinating article this week uh, called, I think it was called Holy Weirdness. And it was talking about how the word holy can also be translated weird. And, and that, um, I mean, just that Isaiah 6 passage that I read to you. I mean, an angel with six wings, two covering their eyes, two covering their feet, two flying. That's odd, right? And that, and that artists have the opportunity to like represent that aspect of who God is. And this article was like saying, lamenting the fact that so many artists aren't doing that kind of work. So this is what it looks like for us to hollow God, right? So, so when we pray, Father, hallowed be your name, what's happening? First of all, um, our view of God is changing because we are seeing that God is, is other. We just looked at holiness, but I easily could. We could have looked at love. We could have looked at beauty. We could have looked at majesty, any number of different things. That then begins to change us because we're beginning to understand who God is better and it changes our view of God. Um, it changes us because, because God has made us holy. And then because, we've, because we're being changed as we're praying, then all of a sudden in whatever vocation, and I didn't go through every vocation, right? There's people here in ministry. There's people here in business. There's people here in, in social work. There's people here in tech and in biotech. I didn't go through any of those uh, fields. Um, but, but we begin to think, how, what does it look like for me to, in the way that I work, show that God is hallowed, that God is separate, that God is holy, that he is loving? Um, so this is what we're going to do now. Um, I didn't do. I had I had notes in here, but I got excited and I and I and I skipped over some of them. But but hopefully you saw some of the prompts that that we gave you uh, through the slides. You know, God is. Let me think. Think of the things that we've looked at. God is holy. God is faithful. God is radiant. God is the King. Um, and so what we want to do is we want to take now an opportunity to respond to the sermon. And there's three ways that we respond to the sermon this morning. I'm going to go backwards. Uh, the, la- the final way that we're going to respond to the sermon is through the Lord's Supper. I'll talk about that more in a minute. The second way that we can respond to the sermon is by giving of tithes and offerings, right? So, so part of responding to what God is doing in our lives is giving back to him. Uh, and so if you feel compelled to do that, whether it's electronically or here in person, there's a basket here. Um, we move the basket up here. Uh, so you can do that when you're coming up for the Lord's Supper. Um, but the third way that we're asking you, we're asking us as a church to respond is by praying. Now, I said this last week, I'm gonna say it again. This is new. It's gonna feel a little weird. That's okay. We're gonna try it out. Um, but what I want is for us to begin to take, so, so that instead of just being like, okay, you know, you know, maybe that was a B-plus sermon, I don't know, um, that, that it actually has an opportunity to be like, okay, this is how this changes the way that I pray. Um, so there are, here are two prompts. God, you are, thank you for. But secondly, God, you are, help me hollow your name by. So maybe if in that last point, as I was talking about ways that, um, ways that vocations can set apart God's name. Maybe something sparked for you in your mind. 
uh, as you were thinking about that. This is, it's really simple. We're not asking for super long prayers. Some of you may not feel comfortable to pray out loud. That's okay. Pray this quietly. Um, we're going to wait for just a few people to pray. We're not going to make this super awkward and long. Um, but, but if you feel prompted to pray, uh, please just stand up. If you're towards the front, you're going to have to kind of turn your body so that people in the back can hear you. Um, and just pray really loudly. Just, uh, just, it's so simple. God, you are. Thank you for. God, you are. Help me to hallow you by. Just have that be the formula you use right now. Um, a few of us will pray, and then I will close us in prayer uh, after we're done. So let's uh, close our eyes. So that's a good, helpful thing to do in prayer sometimes. Uh, and as you feel led, please pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are glorious and majestic and beautiful and powerful. Lord, would you please, as we pray, drive that truth deeper into our hearts um, so that we will be changed as we get to know you better. And as we get to know you better, please help us, Lord, uh, to, uh, to help other people to know you better too. Um, as we work, as we study, whether we're in a second grader in school, a college student, or uh, working in our field or retired, uh, whether we work from home, in the home, or outside of the home, whatever particular station, vocation you've called us to in this particular moment of our lives, help us to hallow you, uh, to show that you are unlike anyone or anything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.